Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping you put real food on the table without stress and overwhelm. This is episode 24, how you can have fresh baked bread on the table in only 20 minutes. Today I want to talk about homemade bread. I don't know about you, but for me there is absolutely nothing more magical than a loaf of homemade bread coming out of the oven. It didn't happen a lot in my house growing up, but I still remember the excitement I felt any time my mom busted out the bread maker, since that's how you made bread in the 90s, and I got to cut a fresh slice. Back before the days of kids in my house, it wasn't uncommon for me to whip up a batch of homemade rolls on Sunday for dinner, and I still occasionally make a fresh batch of homemade breadsticks, only because I have a shortcut one-hour recipe. That recipe is on my blog. It's called Easy Wheat Breadsticks, if you want to check it out. Anyway, now that I have kids, bread is one of those things that I generally choose to purchase pre-made or make only for special occasions. I absolutely love doing it, but with the kneading time, rising time, and baking time, it's not usually conducive to a weeknight dinner. Another challenge with making homemade bread is that the timing is never exactly the same. There are times when my loaf isn't rising well, so even though I thought I had time to get it finished, I have to leave it rising a bit longer, and that can mess up my entire dinner timeline. I've tried freezing dough, and while this does cut back on the active time, I've never really found frozen dough more convenient. I'm left waiting for the rolls to rise and for the dough to thaw. I don't feel like the products from dough that had been frozen ever turned out tasting as good and fresh. So serving homemade bread became kind of a problem. But then I remembered some things from when I was working as a food service dietitian. One of the coolest perks about being a food service manager is having access to all the cool and innovative products designed for restaurants that you can get from your food supplier. There were about 10 products that I totally wanted to stock up on before I quit my job. One product I used a lot in those days was par-baked rolls. They looked just like regular rolls, but they arrived to me frozen and totally pale with no color to them. To prepare them for eating, all I had to do was throw them in the oven for 10 to 15 minutes until they developed a nice brown crust and they were ready to serve. I was seriously shocked at how good these were, you guys. I never would have guessed after eating them that they weren't baked 100% fresh on the day that I ate them. But even though I use this item regularly at work, I never thought about partially baking an item at home and doing the same thing, until recently that is. As I thought about this, I started digging in to find more information about par baking, and I've realized that this really is an underutilized technique in American kitchens. There's not a lot of information out there about it, and that's a shame. So I'll share what I was able to discover and how I am using par baking today in my own kitchen. So the most useful information I was able to find comes out of a book called Baking Science and Technology. You can find a copy of this out-of-print book on Amazon for like $200, or I was able to find a digitized copy that is part of the public domain for your enjoyment that I will link to in the show notes. You are welcome. I'm pretty sure I'm going to read the whole book because I love geeking out over the science. Anyway, according to this book, partially baked goods were first introduced to the market in 1949 by General Mills when they introduced brown and served rolls. You can still find these in the store. You can also find a lot of par-baked products today from brands like La Brea. According to the book, there are a few techniques that need to be altered in the bread making process in order for your baked goods to turn out well from the freezer. 
This information was new to me, even though I have been winging the par baking thing for a while. So I'm excited to adjust my methods and see if my par baked goods turned out even better. The first technique suggested is to lower your oven temperature. This is so that the product can bake all the way through without any kind of browning. I wish I would have known this tip before because I did once parbake a handful of cinnamon rolls that ended up getting smashed beyond recognition in the freezer because they hadn't cooked all the way through first. So in order to cook your bread without browning, you're going to want to reduce your oven temperature to somewhere between 275 degrees and 300 degrees Fahrenheit. In order to know that your bread is done, especially since you're not going to be able to trust that brown crust that you're usually going for, uh, bake the bread until it comes to a temperature of 180 degrees before you stick it into the freezer. Some other tips that I learned, some other tips that the book suggested are decreasing the amount of yeast you use slightly so that they don't spring quite as much in the oven and to proof your dough in a very warm environment so that it proves quickly. It may also be helpful to stiffen your dough just a little bit with a little bit of extra flour so that the rolls are a little more well-formed and they maintain their shape after they've been part-baked. So now that you know this revolutionary and life-changing technique, what can you use it on? Honestly, this will work with just about any bread product, but here are some of my favorites. I already mentioned cinnamon rolls because cinnamon rolls are such a fun holiday brunch food, but no one has time to make those start to finish in the morning. So by par-baking them, you can have them stored in your freezer and just pull them out on the morning you want to enjoy them, make a quick glaze, and you're eating fresh cinnamon rolls in 15 minutes, which I think that is just about every mother's dream. I also love to use this technique for regular dinner rolls. I think everybody loves a roll with dinner, especially those Sunday dinners, but it's hard to justify spending so much time on something that's just a small side dish. So enter those par-baked rolls. The cool thing about this method is that you can make one batch of rolls and then for your dinners, for your family, you can take out just a few and bake that number that you'll need for your family. So this makes making homemade rolls actually doable because you're able to use it over a bunch of different meals. It also cuts down on overindulging, which I don't know about you, but I tend to definitely overindulge anytime there's a homemade bread product around. Another idea of bread that you could freeze are your specialty bread products like hamburger buns or hot dog buns. Again, I normally just turn to store-bought bread in these cases, but if you par-bake, it's actually a realistic idea that you can start introducing homemade versions of these foods to your repertoire, and they might be really extra delicious and fun. Pie crust is one thing that you actually probably have par-baked or blind-baked, and it's a great thing to keep stocked in your freezer for quick meals like quiche or a quick dessert when you need it. My last idea is that you could par-bake an entire loaf of homemade bread that you brown just in time for dinner or an evening snack and you're able to slice and use for sandwiches and other things throughout the week. There are other homemade bread products that I regularly keep stored in my freezer as well. Things like homemade pitas, English muffins, naan bread, tortillas. Uh, but these things tend to hold up well to being cooked according to their regular method and they don't adjust that for par-baking. So... There are some things that you can just cook according to their typical method, but the things I've mentioned will probably take to the par-baking technique really well, and it will make them taste so fresh that you'll think that they were cooked 100% that day. I know that some of you might be thinking, par-baking, I don't even know how to make yeast bread. 
When I asked you all a few weeks back what kinds of things you'd like to learn more about, yeast breads were one of your top responses. So I know and understand that yeast is scary, and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little ahead of myself here with this technique. But if you do want to learn more about yeast breads and how to make them turn out, go ahead and join my private Facebook group where I've just recently started doing live cooking demos. I've already demoed my homemade naan bread, which is a basic yeast bread and great for beginners. So you can so you can watch that replay after you join the group. And because so many people were interested, I will also do some demos of other yeast breads in the future. So if you want to learn about yeast cooking, that's the place to go. To join that group that's 100% free, just head to facebook.com slash planned and prepped with call me Betty blog and request to join. And if you want a clickable link, there will be one in the show notes. And you can also find that on my Instagram profile or in the sidebar on my website, callmebetty.com. I hope that you're excited about the possibility of putting fresh tasting homemade breads on the table in no time with the methods in this episode. Next week, I've got another awesome guest for you. Megan Osler over at Megan Jane's Plate is talking to me all about nutrition misconceptions and doable ways to up-level your diet as a mom. We had a great chat and I think you're going to love it. So until next time, happy baking and happy planning.